Welcome everybody to the Authentic as Fuck podcast. My name is San. I am a marketer. I'm a storytelling coach. And in this podcast, I help members of our community uh, coach them through storytelling, branding, marketing, things of that sort. Today, we have Mitzi. Hi, Mitzi. Hi, San. Welcome. Thank you. Thank so, you for having me. Yeah, so let's start with... Um, Mincy, kind of where you're from and your, your your story, your background, and then we'll get going to kind of questions. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm from Pennsylvania, from the Poconos. I grew up in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, small town girl. And um, when I left Stroudsburg, um, I went to college to be a teacher. My first job as a teacher was in inner city Philadelphia in West Philly, and it was quite a shock. Um, <laughs> and I ended up... Um, teaching uh, in all kinds of different environments from ur different urban environments, different rural environments and everything in between for the next several decades, eventually becoming a college professor, which has been my profession for the last 25 years or so. And so just last year, I made a decision to start a podcast of my own and leave education and academia so that I could reach a bigger audience than just um, a select amount of students that were in a classroom at a given time, that I wanted to really reach a whole much bigger audience. And so I'm kind of at the beginning of this journey of being an entrepreneur. And that's why I what do you would like teach? to- What did you teach? I teach writing, um, writing, composition, literature, all everything okay. associated with English composition, essay writing, and that sort of thing. Got it. Okay. And- um what's what where are you like venturing off to now like what's the right so now i have i have a podcast called the blessings podcast which is where i ask people to tell me their life stories so that we can figure out what the patterns and themes of their lives are that have contributed to maybe issues that they're having or just experiences why they've happened what what is it about them and about their life that contributes to who they are today and just sort of brings home the importance of taking a look at your story, taking a look at yourself so that you can understand yourself and then learn the lessons that you're supposed to learn, count the blessings that you're supposed to count and then okay. <laughs> be better because of it. Got it. Yeah. My sister is a professor also, and she wants to kind of um, do like, I think when you're teaching in a the university, there's a lot of like limitations, right? Like, yes, like you have to teach um, their curriculums. And well, I had a lot of, freedom with my curriculum. Um, I designed my own curriculum. But when COVID came along, it changed a lot of things. Um, and it kind of illuminated some of the negative side of that for me. And mm. I, and then I ended up with a little bit of a health issue. Oh, the negative sides. <laughs> okay. um, well, I think during COVID, it was the inability to be in person was a huge thing. Um, a lot of students were unable to succeed as well online. And as you know, from doing your Sunday service, I would teach a class and I would have 50 black boxes on my zoom screen because they didn't want to turn on their cameras. And, um, you know, it's very difficult that it doesn't really breed success, that environment when they're not engaged, I'm not able to see them. I don't have the visual feedback. So that was a big thing. The online learning forced on kids who didn't want to learn online. I think for people, people who 
want that, it works really well because they know how to how to interact. They know how to engage. But when it's the only option, there were a lot of people that, that just weren't able to thrive in that environment. So that was a, kind of a big oh. thing. That was probably one of the biggest. It just, it, I felt, I Did, felt like it was difficult. You, you're not teaching anymore. You stopped teaching. I've stopped teaching this semester and last semester for the first time in my life. Oh, really? I haven't. Yeah, I haven't been teaching. Were and you I'm, like, we're, uh, were you a tenure tenure professor or? No, no. Were I was always a part time professor. Um, I I never went okay. for it to to be a full time professor because okay. I had. I was raising three kids at the time as well. And so I made the decision that I was going to be a full-time mother and got it. Okay. Professor. So there's some personal uh, yes. like choices too. Like, yes. yeah, my, you know, my sister quit her, she, she taught at Wheaton college. She quit. She was on tenure track. She quit last year because of, um, because of like, uh, office politics, bureaucracy, and oh, things yeah. like that. That's the, that's um, definitely another thing that's that I, when I, I had an experience that I had in, in my curriculum, um, a Bob Dylan song and I used these little lyrics from this Bob Dylan song. And you know that Bob Dylan won the Pulitzer prize for literature. Um, yeah. And I, I used that song for a few semesters, but there's a word in the song that was kind of objectionable. And I decided to pull that from my curriculum because I didn't want to be that professor who went viral on Twitter for having a, a song that had a objectionable word in it. And so I, I thought at that moment, like, this is not right. If I have to start watching what I say and watching what I do because I'm afraid of potential consequences, this isn't yeah. aligned anymore with what I believe should be the purpose of higher education. So many people don't realize that. Like, self-censorship is where you start to, you start to, like, start killing a little bit of yourself all the way to a point where you're, you're completely lost and you, you have no idea who the authentic, like, you are is right yeah so and, uh, when you if you get to the point where you can notice that before it's happened too much that you've get, that's gotten too deep and you can cut yourself off from it which is kind of what that was another very yeah. big contributing factor to why i i'm not teaching right now got it yeah that's awesome like uh, <laughs> as soon as you were talking about like west philadelphia i'm like oh like the fresh prince <laughs> like <Yeah. that's> <laughs> and then um I like. I remember, like at night, um, in my agency in New York, we used to always go to uh, Poconos like every summer for camping. Yeah. So I know that area. <laughs> so yeah, let's talk about um. One first question I have for you is like, how come you don't want to teach literature in your, like, on your own? Like, why is it that you you want to do a little shift and teach more about like? You know. Um, well, I think as I've gotten older, I feel like my calling is different. I don't think it was my calling to teach people how to write an essay or to teach them how to analyze a, a short story. I don't think that serves the wider, greater good as much as what I feel called to do now, which is helping people mm -hmm. to explore themselves. And ultimately sure. where I want to go with it is so that they can heal themselves, so that they can be better people, so that they can then have that butterfly effect where it goes on, you know, out to society. Where do you think that came from? Is that, is that from a personal oh, I, experience? It, is yeah, that... it came from, it came from losing my mom. I lost, my mom died when, um, in 2001. So it's been a long, long time, but I never really dealt with it. 
at the time. And as I've gotten older and gone back and looked at my life, I've been able to, to see things that I couldn't see then. And I just, I think we have, well, this happens to everyone where at some point you have an epiphany about your life, like what it means, what you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to be and what your message is supposed to be. And that's kind of what happened to me. It was, it, it, I would call it a spiritual awakening. Got it. I'm a self-discovery and since kind then, of thing. And since then, have you worked with anyone? Like, have you, like, uh, have you actually tried to do any of that? Like, with either I've been doing or... it. Well, I've been doing it through the podcast um, for now, okay. and that's why I want to take it a step further. So every time I do a podcast with someone, they tell me something like, "Oh my gosh, I never." looked at it that way or looking at their life and thinking, wow, I didn't realize until we started talking about this, that this is why I'm like this or wow. I never told anybody that before, you know, things like that. And then they'll think about it. And days later, they'll send me an email that says, wow, I, I'm so grateful that you brought this up, that I was able to see this pattern or solve this problem. So okay. I want to do more of that. And how do they find you, these people? It's kind of interesting. At first, I went after people that I just knew online or friends to, when I first started out, but then the ball got rolling. And I have actually had people that I don't even know come out of the blue and reach out to me on online on Instagram. I had a couple of very prominent people with like one guy had over 150,000 followers. He's in recovery and he just reached out to me out of the blue and was on my podcast. So I think that it has a lot to do with your mindset when you kind of open, you're open to that. Things do tend to come your way. And so that's how it's working right now. And they're finding you because they watch your, they listen to your podcast or do you also or like, use search. that in your social media? Yeah. I use my social media to promote. Um, and then I have other people promote that are my guests. So it, it does expand the reach that way. But I've been using some hashtags and, um, and one of the guys found me with hashtags because he was searching for podcasters to tell a story. Okay. And then someone else that I didn't know found me because it was like a friend of a friend. So the more people you connect with okay. online, other people do see that. Like the, it'll yeah. come up in, into their feed. So all yeah. of those things to really work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the more you put yourself out there, the, you know, the more <laughs> likely you're going to get found. Yes. Okay. So what are uh, your questions? <laughs> well, I am <laughs> at the point where I am ready to really go for it. And I want to, I want to make it like a movement, I think ultimately. Um, and, but from a more practical standpoint, I want this to be the way that I make a living. And right now it's not. So I want to know. Some so you practical... haven't got. You haven't no. done any paid coaching yet. Nope, I okay. haven't. Um, and I'm in the process Are of setting. Are people asking you for it? Yes. And I've got some people asking me to do workshops. I've got that kind of thing happening as well. So I want to set up some programming so that I can have a, a container for people to pay me. And I don't have that. So what, what's stopping you from doing that? Uh, well, there's a huge mindset piece. Um, I think cause my whole life, I'm sure people can relate to this. I have always gotten a paycheck from someone else. And if I think about working for a university, 
where people pay thousands of dollars for this course. So a student might pay three to five thousand dollars to be in my class, but I don't get I don't get that money from every student. Mm -hmm. But that's what they pay. And for whatever reason, I'm having trouble getting over the hump of charging people to directly pay me rather than going through a university or through a school of some sort or through a program that's you know i'm working under the auspices of someone else so that's definitely a mental hump i have to get over got it so it's not like you know because there's also like this stigma of like people in the help self-help industry or something like that where because they feel like they're supposed to be helping people <laughs> and they're like, oh, like, I don't want to, I don't want to charge money. Like I feel kind of uh, yeah. hypocritical about charging money. Oh yeah. Money. But I that, think that's, that's not... a part of it too. Um, and then there's the idea of, well, what am I worth? What's it worth? Um, how much is it worth to discover something about yourself in order to prevent disease down the road or to reduce your stress or to change your life in some way? If I could help you to see that, how much is that worth? Got it. I have no, I have no I mean, idea. So I think those are two completely separate things. So I, there's the there are people who feel like you know they should be like Buddha and they should or Jesus. Like I shouldn't be charging money for this. That's a completely different thing that um, than like the other imposter syndrome one, right? Where like yeah. Why would anybody pay me for this? Like, like, or you know, what? How how can I? Like, I'm not worth that much, or something like that, right? I mean, that's how I was when I first started like freelancing. I was like, this is stuff that I do every day, right? Like, yeah. I do for my friends and things like that. Like, I can't. Like, why would anyone pay me for this, right? Yeah. Oh, like, I definitely feel that. Um, and also, the things that I was teaching at college were practical things. They were, you know, step-by-step, step, how do I write an essay? Um, and so doing something a little more esoteric where I'm wanting to reach someone at a deeper level, something that's more profound, but harder to put into mm -hmm. words, that's mm -hmm. part of it too. I guess, um, okay. I want to talk about the, the whole giving part first. I don't, I don't know if this is, like, just from curing you, I don't think this is a big part of it. The, the fact that, oh, like, I should be giving my time. I should be serving others, not making money from I don't think that's it. But just for people that are out there that are like that, I just talked about this with a couple of our members. Mm -hmm. um, it's the reason why I have Night Owl Nation and Night Owl, right? Yeah. And eventually, I'm going to have retreats. I'm going to have more high-ticket programs i'm gonna have masterminds where i charge a shitload of money <laughs> to the people who can afford it right yeah. but i draw a clear line between okay here's the product that i have where i'm helping people right this is five dollars a month like i'm giving way more than what i'm getting what they're paying and i'm providing value right and here's my agency where we charge sixty thousand hundred thousand dollars for websites i'm gonna have a mastermind that it's like ten, fifteen thousand dollars, right? I'm gonna have retreats that are like thousands of dollars. So this is what's paying the bills, right? And there are two completely different audiences. Yes, here are the people who need help, but there's also these like Upper East Side moms who drives a Porsche who can very well afford this, and they want more, you know, personal 
you know, t- like they're they're more lazy, so they don't want to do the work, so they just want it's spoon fed to them, right? Mm-hmm. So and I, but I don't feel guilty at all charging these people because like I I remember one of my clients who does this kind of like uh, work where you know he's helping people. Like he says that I don't do this for money. I need money to do this, right? Mm. So that's kind of how I think of it. Like, you know, like Rob, who's one of our members, he, he mm-hmm. was talking about, a couple of the members were talking about how when they raise money for nonprofit or charity, they're so good at it. They're so good at raising money for charity, but they just can't raise money for themselves, right? <laughs> but yeah. that's what this really is. I think of this as like, I, I need to raise money <laughs> yeah. so I can help these people. <laughs> Do you, yeah. do you know what I mean? So I just draw a clear line between my the product or like my podcast is where I help people, right? Like so, there's these areas where I can help people, but the only way I can do this, some someone needs to fund this thing, mm-hmm. and the only way I can do this is through capitalism, right? Yeah. So I oh, I don't yeah. feel guilty at all. Yeah. Right. No, so I, I think, feel that I believe yeah. that. Like I I can relate to that, and it's it's definitely along the lines of what I want to try to build what you're saying. So now then let's talk about the, the imposter syndrome side Hmm. for me, I guess that everyone's going to give different uh, like advice on this. Right. So I've heard people say, you know, just, just go ahead and charge this much. Right. I don't believe that because I also see a lot of people who are like, who just went ahead and go ahead and created a $5,000 course. And I go look at the course and like, are you kidding me? Like, this is not worth $5,000. Like you're not helping anybody. And you know what I mean? It's just that yes. you, you were able to scam people into buying your course, <laughs> but yeah. you're not actually helping anyone. Right. So I've seen cases like that, but I also seen cases where, uh, you know, people just say, Oh, just, double your price or just like, you know, like just charge high ticket and they start doing it. And then because they, they're, they did it because of the pressure of every, all the coaches and everybody selling them, but because they themselves don't believe in it, that it doesn't work out. It, it comes off like the way they sell it is not as confident. The way they work with the clients is, and, and the clients and, you know, students could smell that shit mile away and it actually ends up hurting them. Right. Yeah. So, so what I did with my agency is I started, I, I started incrementally raising prices. So you can, always, you can always raise prices, but it's much harder to go down in price. Yeah. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. So what happens is, let's say you're, you're uh, like doing a coach. Let's say you're doing one-on-one coaching. And at a low price, right? And you do, let's, let's say you're doing it for $100 or something like that. And then you do that long enough. What happens is you start to see, it's like, oh shit, look, all the value that I'm providing, all the validation that I'm getting, all the results that I'm seeing. And then, like, I'm so busy right now because so many people are like, that almost gives you a conf- confirmation that says, oh, I should be charging $200, mm-hmm. right? And then once you charge $200 and you still see it, <laughs> And they were like, that's a confirmation that, oh, I should be charging $400. And then when you charge $400 and you still see it, that's a confirmation that you should be charging $800 and so on and so on and so on, right? Right. So I think you have to level up like that. I don't yeah. think you can just go like, phew, charge like yeah. this 
crazy amount that you don't believe that you're worth or something like that. But even if you are worth that much, if your belief is down here, you have to build up that belief. In my opinion, Mm -hmm. that's how Mm -hmm. I did it. Mm -hmm. And it happens quickly. Okay. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Good. Because for me, it took me a year to go from basically charging like $10,000 to like $50,000 for websites. Because mm-hmm. I, I just kept going up and up and up and up and up. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I think that's a good way to start. Um, and so you always talk about the difference between having a course that works and a course that nobody is going to actually get value from. So I wondered if you could talk a little mm-hmm. bit about that. What's the difference? What do I ha- What do you have to do in a course to make it worthwhile? Because I've done the same thing. I've taken recently courses where I've paid a lot of money. And then once I've taken the course, I'm like, oh, this this is not worth the money I spent for this course. Well, first of all, I think there's a lot of things going on there. So what I see is like, for example, if I look at uh, some of the courses that I've taken, like when I've taken um, uh, like B-School or um, like DCA from Amy Porterfield or StoryBrand, right? So when I look at those things, like... The reason why B-School was worthless for me was because I already knew all of that stuff, mm-hmm. right? So let's say you're a brand new, you've never, you don't know anything about business and you don't know anything about online marketing and you're just getting started and you don't have time to squart, like spend a year just scouring the internet, like five hours a day, like learning all this, which you can yeah. do. Like with B-School is kind of like a shortcut version of that, right? Like they made it step by step and it's a it's a good program for that. But my problem comes when they oversell it. Because Marie Forleo sells it as if this will help anyone, right? Right. <laughs> but the I thing is, yeah, there's a small too. Oh, yeah, you did okay. I took, I took yeah, so there's school. a small market of people who are just starting out that I think who doesn't even know what a lead magnet is? Mm-hmm. Who doesn't even know how newsletters work, <laughs> right? Who doesn't know what the difference between a sales page and a website is, right? For those people, I think it's really helpful, right? But if you're going to say like, oh, yeah, this can, it doesn't matter like where you are in your business, it can help you and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just not true. And I think Mm -hmm. majority of the people, when you're overselling the shit out of a course like that, I think what happens is it, you're going to attract a lot of people where it, 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 and that's why I think, you know, some of these courses, I find that useless. Like, I, 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 I wish that she would have said in the sales page that if you already do, are doing this, 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 this is going to be useless for you. <laughs> then yeah. I wouldn't have bought it, right? right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. and, and same thing with Amy Porterfield, right? Like if she said, okay, because what I wanted to do is I wanted to learn how to make a good course, meaning yeah. how to actually create a good course. But I, like 90% of her course was all about how to sell a course, which I already knew how to do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I, I feel like I, I, I was kind of a little bit, um, maybe it was misadvertised or something like that, mm-hmm. right? So that's mm-hmm. where I have that. Pro- that's that's one problem mm-hmm. I have. The second problem I have is I, I see also course creators. These are not like those kind of courses, but course creator that sells maybe two hundred dollar courses, a little bit lower end. But I've seen people do this with three thousand dollar, five thousand dollar courses too, where they literally at least. Murray Forleo and Amy Porterfield, they've spent years to polish their course, tweak it, mm-hmm. make it better. Oh, this isn't working. So listen to their students and they 
it it's a years of work to get it there so that it, it it can provide a transformation for some people but i also see people who who's never made a course before who just knows how to do something and quickly spend two weeks putting together a course and be like here i'll start selling it right like yeah. that's just not going to work because there's a difference between you knowing something and you're your teacher so obviously yeah. <laughs> and and then how to transfer that knowledge to the students right They're like mm-hmm. that's like a skill of its own and mm-hmm. it has to be it has to be done in certain order it has to be done with right. exercises and you know like yeah. there are certain things that needs to be done in order to deliver that right and they're not doing any of them. They're like, oh, this is a quick way to monetize my audience. Yeah. And sometimes uh, they have just, launch. yeah, no. And I, I think sometimes they'll have like flashy videos. Everything looks very professionally produced, but the substance isn't there. That's what I've gotten. Yeah. That's and, what they think is the value. The quality right. of the video, the set, the design. Right. <laughs> right. And I don't like if I'm teaching a college course, I could give you a, I could deliver a really killer course. But I am not going to have those bells and whistles as much as someone like Marie Forleo is going to have. Yeah. You know, let me tell you this. Like the best copywriting course that I've, the best copywriting lesson that I've gotten is it's called the Gary Halbert Letters and it's mm-hmm. free online. And oh. when you look at it, it looks like a website from the 90s. It looks like, literally looks like shit, right? <laughs> and, and yeah, so it doesn't like if the content is good, it doesn't matter what the packaging is, really. You know? Okay, well that <clears> makes me feel so. great. That's that's a good, that's very good advice. Um, so I have definitely got a course in my mind that that's something I want to do, and I've also been thinking really strongly about a membership. So I know that you said that having a membership is really hard to get started. Can you talk a little bit about having a membership, what that's like and how to get started? Well, let's start from your course first. Okay. So whenever we create a product, I think we need to be hyper specific on what this product is delivering. That's what I didn't do with Night Owl Nation. And that's kind of like, I'm in the process of doing that now. It's kind of, it's weird because, you know, I tell all my clients, like, you should do this. You should be hyper-specific. You should have exact goal. You should niche down and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, when it's come to yourself, it's hard to do it. because It's hard to kill your own darlings. I'm like, well, no, but they need to know this too. They need to know that too. They, you know what I mean? Yes. So I think you, you have to be hyper-specific in what is it that you're delivering. Like, okay, when I start the course, I'm here. And when I finish the course, that person is now here. And what is yeah. that? Like, what is that? thing that they're getting right first um yeah uh, you want me to say yeah, what it is um well sure if you know course, already, yeah. well i do kind of know and it's 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 interesting because it's it's around the same lines or along the same lines as the curriculum that i've used for writing except that it's for personal development so it's going to be a course that takes you th- through a little bit of mindset a little bit of philosophy, and then asks you to build out your life story on a timeline and to be able to connect the dots to see what kinds of patterns keep coming through, what kinds of themes keep coming through. And you can't do that until you actually lay it all out, which hardly anyone ever does. And then when you Mm -hmm. begin to, to be able to do that and really take an honest look at things, revelations start happening and you start to have these epiphanies and it changes your whole life. But my whole philosophy around it has to do with 
using Bloom's taxonomy, which is the levels of thinking and how you can take things from examining them to analyzing them. And then at the top of Bloom's taxonomy, the highest level of thinking is how you have to create something new. So like when you're looking at your life story, you can analyze it and understand it. And all of that is great. And it, it does help you. But if you don't do something new from it or create someone new from it, mm-hmm. nothing will ever change. The same patterns will come back the same. Universe will keep showing you the same lessons over and over again. So that's the course to be able to go through that, build it out, recognize the patterns, connect the dots, have the epiphanies, change yourself at the end. So at the end, you'll know and so let's- what do I have to do differently? Is that what you do on your podcast right now with individuals? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. So, so I take, the, I don't I take the it next... to that transformational level with them. It's not like a, a therapy session or anything like that. It's just mm-hmm. going through, it's just sort of the basics of going through their story. And people can extrapolate from that the lessons and the blessings from their life that they could relate to in their own lives. That's the podcast. So how long did it, is this process going to take? I think it's going to take 12 weeks. Oh, for me or for the the people? For the students, yeah. The students, I've designed it as a 12-week process. And I have it so that you could do it as a self-guided course, or you could work one-on-one with me to do it with you, which might help tremendously if you have trouble, you know, doing this on your own. So what I would first do is um, I would suggest you do this entire process one-on-one with somebody first. Okay. Like, because if you can't deliver a result for one person, you can't deliver a result for a thousand people. Right. right. But so it's not, it's, it's first, even not even a matter of deliver, like me delivering result. It has to be the person who finds it for themselves too. So I don't know if that's important with what you're going to say. I know, but you're, you're, you're facilitating that process, yeah. right? Yeah. So if that person goes through your entire process, and no change happens out of that, even though they follow that entire process. That means there's something in your process that's not working that needs to be fixed. Like, here's a good example, right? I've been teaching the Storytelling Basics class every week, every Tuesday to new members every week. And what happened was first, it started out by me just trying to accumulate everything that I taught in the past into one hour course. And I taught it again, again, again. It's the same course over and over. And every time it gets a little better, it gets, it gets tweaked. It, I take, take out the things I don't need and I see what works, what doesn't work. And then it's gotten so much better. And it's because when I teach it, I do a Q&A right afterwards. Hmm. And just based on those questions that students are asking, I'm like, okay, this person didn't, like these people didn't understand this part at all. <laughs> so next week I do it, I tweak that part a little bit. And then now they understood it, but they ask a different question. Or I see the reaction. They're like, oh, that, that part was so good. Like, oh, I never like thought about this part, but it, that's like, that was so helpful. So just through that feedback loop, what I'm able to do is I'm able to improve that class. And now it's at a place where it's so polished that I'm going to stop doing it live. I'm going to package it up. And I'm going to sell it. Mm. <laughs> do you understand what I mean? Yes. So one of the best advice I got for creating a course, which is which I just kind of, I I proved it for myself by doing this storytelling basics course is teach your class live and don't Mm -hmm. set a 12 week curriculum. You have no idea. This is a brand new thing you're teaching there. You have no idea how that like somebody might just go through a whole thing and nothing happens or somebody might get stuck in week three or week four. You just don't know. 
So be open-minded, get students in and say, hey, I'm, this is my experience, this is my background and all of that. I'm doing this at a, like what they, they call this, like the founders, um, right. I know what it's called. But they're basically in your beta program, just like kind of Night Owl Nation. Everybody in Night Owl Nation right now is in a beta program because our Night Owl Nation is not perfectly polished yet, right? Mm-hmm. So they're almost like the guinea pig. So you give them a discount and then you get them in. And first week you teach this, right? Right. And then you do a live Q&A or something like that. So they're going to ask you all these questions. They're like, oh, I couldn't, I didn't figure out how to do this. I got stuck here. Blah, blah, blah. All those things, right? Now you address that in the next week, right? And, right. Then, and then based on their feedback, then you design your next week. And then you design your next week. And then I think once you've done that once, you're going to get a good feel for, okay, what works. And then next week, next time you do it again, you're going to learn that a little bit more. And then you might have to run this program live for a year before you get to a point where like, okay, now I have a solid program that works, that delivers results every time. And as long as somebody goes through this process, it's going to work. Do you understand what I mean? Yes. Then you can charge whatever you want for the transformation that people are willing to pay at that point, because now you have a solid product that actually works. Right. Yeah. I love that idea. That would that like I see so many people starting. creating a course when they have never even like coached. Like for example, mm-hmm. somebody might try to create an English course, right? Mm-hmm. On how to just because they're good in English, they're like, oh, I can teach an English course. But the thing is, they've never actually taught English to one student before, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But when you teach somebody, like uh, somebody told me, like uh, that, you know, the best way to learn something is to teach it. Because you might, you like, I watch Cosmos, right, with Neil deGrasse Tyson. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is so, like, I learned so much. And I now I try to go explain that to somebody else. And then, like, I get stuck. And then somebody <laughs> asks me a question. I'm like, oh, that's a good question. I don't, like, once you actually start teaching it, yeah, you, you, you get to, you see all of your flaws and what, what part you don't really understand. Or, okay, mm-hmm. just because I understood this doesn't mean this person understood it because they're not a native English speaker. So I need to somehow figure out how to get this person to understand it. And that's how, mm. you know, when you go ski, when you go skiing for the first time, the first thing they teach you is pizza, French fries, right? I don't know if you ever yes. went <laughs> skiing. Yes. And they say like French fries like this is to go, yeah. go straight, go to go. And then you do pizza like this. You put your skis like that in order to stop, right? And then you go again and then stop, go, stop, right? Imagine like you were trying to teach somebody how to ride a ski and you didn't have that concept. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's going to be harder for you to teach them, right? Like mm-hmm. to actually explain to them and show them like blah, blah, blah. But somebody came up with that pizza French fry concept so that somebody can quickly get, you know, get over their hurdle or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and that's kind of what it is. Like the Like just because you know how to ski doesn't mean you can just teach somebody how to ski right away. Unless you you have those tools, right? Yeah. Um, so that's, that's why, like, point. so many people try to teach their spouse how to drive, and they just get into an argument. They can't teach them because it's one thing to know how to drive, and it's another thing to. Uh, here's another example. It's mm. one thing to know how to drive, and it's another thing to actually teach somebody how to drive. Like, because you're like, why can't you figure that? Why are you doing that? Why are you going so fast here? Or why are you turning so sharp here? Like. 
they just because they don't know, right? Like yep. another thing is like we all know how to tie our tie our shoes, but if we were to imagine you trying to teach somebody how to tie their shoes without showing them using verbally, like how hard that's gonna be, right? Right. But then people who teach that, like maybe like I don't know, you know, a parent who teaches that or whatever, like teacher who teaches that, like will know exactly what to say. They're gonna know exactly if I say this. Then most people are going to get it, but if I say like this, most people are not going to get it, and that just comes from the experience of teaching. I don't have to tell you that because you're a teacher. No, it's so true. <laughs> no, I can tell you. My boyfriend tried to teach me how to ride a motorcycle, and I ended up breaking my collarbone. <laughs> and he's the best, most excellent motorcycle driver that you could ever like. He's yeah. super, super diligent, very cautious, but he could not teach me as well as he does it himself. So um, yeah. I, I totally get what you're saying. And that's what I, I've been learning in the past year. Like things that come natural and easy to me, I get. I realize that most people don't get it. So I need, I had to figure out, I had to try a lot of, throw a lot of things in the wall mm-hmm. and then try to figure out, okay, I wonder why. That's why I do so many of these hot seats in Q&A. Yeah. Like, I'm not doing this hot seat to just because I'm a nice guy. <laughs> I'm well, doing it because nice it helps me. <laughs> but you're also yeah, a very I mean, anal- you're, you're, yeah. You have such a unique way of looking at things. And I think part of that is because you are so open to all the possibilities and you're so devoted to wanting people to learn what you have to share. And I think that's really yeah. admirable and interesting too, because then it brings you to the question of what's, how, what's the responsibility of the learner in their own transformation versus the teacher in that transformation? What do you that's think about question. that? That's a good question. What do you think? Because Well, a very the learner has to question. be invested. I mean, the learner, you cannot have transformation for some, you can't, I can't force your transformation. Like you have to participate in your own transformation. And just from mm-hmm. being a professor for so long, um, you know, you can see when a person is invested in their own transformation, their own learning, um, they, you know, they I want, see what you mean. Yeah. and, and when yeah. they're not, but, but then again, I've also, as a teacher, I've also had the mindset of, well, I'm doing something wrong. If they're not learning it, I have to figure out how to reach this person that I haven't been able to reach. So it's always like a, a give and take, I think. And it, and it's always, about, I think like, that's the problem know, with the current education system is that, you know, it's such an old system, first of all, right? Like this whole bachelor system has been around for like hundreds of years. Now, the only incentive that students have to go to that class is because they're going to get a degree and it's going to help them get a job, right? So mm-hmm. it's almost like they're for, like most students are not going like, oh, I can't wait to go to class and learn today. They're not doing that, right? They're they're like, oh fuck, I don't want to go to class, but I have to because then if I miss this class, I'm gonna I'm not gonna get this grade. And right, that's mm-hmm. it's literally the the incentive for them for learning and what they're actually learning is completely detached from each other. And I think that's why schools what they what they're actually teaching you is they're teaching you memorize that first step of the Bloom's taxonomy memorization, yeah. right? Yeah, they're just teaching you memorization and how to be great test takers. That's all they're or, teaching, and how right? to get how to figure out what the t- teacher wants you to do and do that. Yeah, how to like manipulate the system yeah. or, or whatever, right? How to play. But the they're game. not actually teaching you. Yeah, 
how to play the game, how to play politics or whatever. Right. Yeah. But they're not necessarily teaching you critical thinking and things like that, right? Uh, then, no, I mean, some, so I look some, at it, some people are, but not enough people are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's at the individual teacher level. And I yeah. that's yeah. what I think. I think it's the teacher's, I think the teacher's job is not there to deliver information. Because then you can just record a video that delivers the same information. Right. But I really think of what a real teacher's job is to inspire the, the student to want to learn something. Like for yeah. me, the best teachers that I've ever had were the ones that made me want to learn that subject. You know what I mean? Like my humanities mm -hmm. teacher took us all to like the Met Museum and like this cathedral. And it was like such a, it was such an amazing experience for me, right? Like things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so with the online course, the way I look at it is like, this is just my personal opinion, but it's like a gym versus CrossFit or SoulCycle or Barry's Bootcamp, right? Like, yes, I can hire a trainer or I can, you know, sign up for a gym i'm never gonna go right unless mm -hmm. that, it's like a school where i need to go and i need to, to in order to get my degree so i can force myself to go and and but i'm not really actually learning anything right um mm -hmm. and that's why i think most people just sign up for a gym and like 90 percent of people don't go right mm -hmm. versus like soul cycle has somehow created this program mm -hmm. where people mm -hmm. want to go work out yeah <laughs> like CrossFit has created this program where it makes people want to go work out, right? Right. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do at Night Owl Nation. I'm trying to create a curriculum where people want to go practice storytelling, not mm -hmm. because they're, you know, they bought a course and I'm, I'm trying to finish. Because I think that's the problem with the, the online courses that's, in, that's teaching storytelling is it's just another means to an end. Mm -hmm. So that's why people buy it and they don't really finish it. And, and, you know, like try to apply yeah. it, it doesn't work and they give up. It's kind of like when you try to ride a bicycle first and you keep falling and you're like, oh, this doesn't work. I give up. Right. Rather than keep trying. Right. So that's kind of how I look at education. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, at some point when it becomes self-directed, that's when people kind of fall off the wagon. You know, it's almost like doing like doing B school as that example, you can go through the whole course and learn all of the different things you need to do to build a business, but then you just don't do them. And then if you get yeah, somebody see, who I could be, who could kind of be with you as you're doing it. Like if I'm right, if I'm learning to ride a bike, my dad was there holding the back, running alongside until I got the hang of it. And then I could keep doing it myself. But if I couldn't get it, I wouldn't keep going out there and falling off the bike all by myself. I probably just mm -hmm. go back in the house. So I don't know. Yeah. Maybe there's something about that when it becomes self-directed. There has to be an intrinsic motivation. Right. For them to want to do, actually go. Like, yes, you know, somebody might say, okay, B-School might say, like, okay, now go post content every day. Like, email, send out an email every week, right? So now you have the information. Now you know what to do. Right. The question is, are you actually going to do it, right? Like yeah. some, some trainer might be like, okay, I want you to eat like this every day and then go to the gym every day and do this. Like, okay, now I have the information. Mm -hmm. The question is, am I actually going to do it, right? There has to be and, some sort and, of checks and balances and like almost like a real or human, I think, human element. Or, or either that or like a intrinsic motivation. Like mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. I want to go do it because it's fun. <laughs> Right, right. Like I actually enjoy it or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I, and I think that's where I think kind of education has to move in the future. Mm. Where for me, I hate learning, like I hated my history class when I was in high school. But now I actually like go out of my way to watch the History Channel to learn certain things, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's because back then I just didn't have any motivation. I didn't care at all. But now right. I'm actually interested, right? On, yeah. On certain things. So that's, that's So how true. do we get them from here to here? Like that's kind of the... Yeah, I, I can't even begin to articulate all the problems with our education system. It's very... <laughs> messed up <laughs> from from the get-go <laughs> like way before they get to college yeah um so the next quarter at night out nation what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to make it more gamified so that every week in a small i'm going to give them a prompt which they're going to work on and they're going to post on instagram and then like the small group members are going to all like give their feedback mm-hmm. and then so they get an immediate like kind of uh instant gratification every week and and, yeah. and compare their content with last week and see, okay, I made this much improvement. Right. You know. Like well, the great thing like about that. Night Owl Nation, first of all, the cost being so, like, you are the king of over-delivering. I've never seen anyone who gives <laughs> so much value. You're the king. <laughs> you should be wearing a crown right now. Uh, <laughs> um, and it's been so valuable. But I think when you do the, when you do this, the Sunday service, we get so much great information. You give the assignment and then if you're in a small group you have to do the assignment so for me that's been very beneficial if i wasn't in a small group it would be up to me whether or not i'm going to do the assignment um so that's a good feedback mechanism and that's maybe also it's a good like motivator a, it's like a peer pressure yeah so maybe it's you need pressure. a little bit little like you need a little bit of accountability extrinsic motivation yes. and you need a little bit of the intrinsic motivation right you need both because you're because, right right like yep. When you're if doing I wasn't in a small group, yes, I wouldn't always do the assignments, probably. I exactly. would do them if they were interesting to <laughs> yeah. me, but not always. Yeah. And the same thing happens, I think, when you go to SoulCycle. Yes, you go there, you have your friends there, and it's a community. It's all fun. and Yeah, you're like competing with that leaderboard, and it's fun. But at the same time, it is the thing that the, the, the instructor is looking right at you, calling your name, right, with their little microphone. Be like, come on, son, you can do it. Like, right. That accountability is what makes them like yeah. not just give up and be lazy at that moment, I, right? There has to be a human piece. There has to be like another person there saying that to you, either motivating you or calling you out one or the other, keeping you accountable. Mm-hmm. It's almost like mm-hmm. for humans to do that on their own is very difficult. Very few people are are purely intrinsically motivated to complete tasks. Mm-hmm. I guess it depends on the task. So, yeah. So going back to your course, what I would recommend is to to kind of recruit these people of your founders club, right? Yeah. So these are the people that you that are going to be your guinea pig. They're going to pay you maybe less than the normal price, mm-hmm. but you're going to go through the twelve weeks with them, and they're gonna, you're going to work with them. You're going to keep that feedback op- loop open, so they so they feel like they're actually helping you design the program too. Right, mm-hmm. which is how Night Owl Nation at Night Owl Nation. I'm I'm uh, counseling like uh, all the small group leaders all the time. I'm always asking them, oh, hey, "Hey, did that work?" And they give me they give me suggestions. It's like, "Son, how about you do it like this?" Uh, you know, and if something's mm-hmm. not working, they'll tell me. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's how we're. It's, so 
another great thing about that is it feels like you're not doing it alone. Yes. So if you're doing it like, you know how they say it's lonely at the top. If you're an entrepreneur that's trying to figure everything out yourself, nobody understands how I feel. Like none of these students get it. And then you're trying to do it yourself. It feels so lonely. And it's most likely at the at those like hard, harsh moments, you're going to quit. But then when you have like a group of people that are kind of supporting you, they're giving you ideas. It's like, oh, that didn't work. How, how about this? Oh, that's okay. You know, like mm-hmm. if they're doing that with you, it, most likely you're, you're going to stick through it longer, mm-hmm. you know? But the hard part... So maybe... Well, I was going to say the hard part is getting that initial group together. It almost feels like that's kind of more like a membership that I'm saying, here's it, we're going to put together a group and do this course together or do this, you know, this thing every week where we learn and ultimately we'll get to this transformation. But finding those people... You can start to, out like that. Yeah, Yeah, I like that idea. Um, But I think the scariest thing is, what if I don't get a group of people who want to do that? What if I can't find 10 people? Then you find five people. (laughs) (laughs) Or you find one person. Yeah. Right. I mean, you have to start somewhere. Right. Uh, This is what I would do. If I didn't have an audience, or if I had a very small audience right now, and I want to get started, probably the first thing I would do is I would say somebody, you know what? Um, like, first of all, I need to know my financial situation first, right? Like, I, I need to, like, if I'm going to start, the reason why I, at Night Owl Nation, I gave myself a year. And I said, okay, for the next year, I'm going to make zero dollars. Mm. I'm actually going to lose money because <laughs> <laughs> I am losing money, right? Because if I was spending this time in my agency, yeah we would be making much higher profits. So I'm actually losing money by doing this, right? Because we're turning away some clients to, in order to do this. But I, I already told myself that from day one. I'm going to give myself exactly one year to do this. And then one year later, I'm going to reassess. And I'm going to decide whether I'm going to just fold this or to keep going, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and that's the reason why I was able to really go. Otherwise, what ha- ends up happening is, your priorities are all messed up. So you start feeling like resentful for the students. You're like, ah. like, mm-hmm. you know, they don't understand how much value I'm giving. Like the reason why I'm giving so much value and I'm giving everything for free is because I made this promise to myself, like okay. that I'm going to go all out and see what comes out of it. And then now I understand, okay, what I'm doing wrong, what I'm doing right, which is why I'm planning to uh, create actually like a upfront fee for Night Owl Nation, we're going to raise the price for Night Owl Nation. I'm going to do a mastermind group. We're going to do some live workshops. I'm going to add on these products so that we can make more profit. But but now I see that it's going to work, right? Yes. But in the beginning, you know, I don't know if you remember, but for the first four weeks, I just told everybody on my Instagram, be like, okay, come to this Zoom on Sundays. We'll just get together on Zoom. And it wasn't, we didn't have a membership or anything like that. We just got together. And it just very organically happened. Yeah. So if I have a small audience and I was starting, I was at where you are, probably the first thing I would do is I would just my mailing list and my all my contacts, right? I would just send it to everyone, say, hey, I'm trying to get a group together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to develop this kind of program that's really going to help through, like, and I'll sell it, like, that's going to do this. And, you know, it's going to be completely free. But if anybody wants to be involved in this as like a founder thing, 
I would love for you to join. And then I would run it for 12 weeks, right? And the, and during that, and then just, and I don't even have like a set curriculum in mind, maybe like a rough outline of what I want to teach, mm-hmm. but not like, like set in stone, right? And every week come in, it's like a, like kind of like how we do our, your small group, right? Mm-hmm. Like just have this conversation and, and then you learn something new. And then maybe if somebody feels stuck or they're confused, maybe like that same week do another Q&A session mm-hmm. where people ask you questions and you kind of answer, oh, oh they're going to be like, oh, what did you mean by this? How can I do this for me? Right. Or something like that. Oh, what did you mean by this? How can I write it out for me? Mm-hmm. And you kind of do that. Right. And the next week, based on that, you set your next week curriculum, so on and so on and so on. And by the end of the 12 weeks, you're going to have a much, it might not be perfect, but you're going to have a much, much more clear idea of what works and what doesn't work, right? Right. And based on that, what I'll do is in the next 12 weeks, I'll uh, create some sort of a rough course now that's still live, but maybe I'll charge like very low price, like $1,000 for 12 weeks or Mm -hmm. something like that, or even $500 Mm -hmm. for 12 weeks, right? And then I will try to get the people from the first 12 weeks to give me testimonials and like maybe maybe jump on a Zoom call like I did that one week with the small group leaders where, you know, they kind of explain what what the experience was like, what they were going through, what the transformation was like and what, you know, what 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 their life looks like now and all of that. Yeah. And I would use that testimonial to actually enroll like maybe 10 people paying 500 like very low price right 500 dollars mm-hmm. each mm-hmm. and then run another 12 week like that but now mm-hmm. after that 12 week it's going to be much more you know mm-hmm. much more elevated right like right. and then you do it again so you and do that, that four could, times right yeah and i i feel like that could feed into a membership community as well exactly that's exactly what i was gonna say okay once you have this 12 week program done because i guarantee you it's going to be hard, easier for you to sell. A, it's going to be easier for you to sell a thousand dollar 12 week program than a, a membership at $50 a month mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that makes mm-hmm. no sense. Right? Like what? Like this is a thousand dollars. This is $50. Why would this? Because people are very wary of putting their credit card number and just mm-hmm. people are much more careful when they make monthly subscription decisions. Yeah, that's why people actually prefer to just pay one lump sum up front, like for these kind of programs, you know. I've even because they know that they. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead, son. I'm sorry. And it's also kind of a commitment. It's like, oh, I got to do this forever, (laughs) kind of thing. Where this is a twelve week, there's an end to it, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's that is so true. Um, I think when when you're thinking about starting a community, yeah, do I is it something I could do for forever? Um, that's why I'm actually switching my model to what you just said. So I'm, we're just going to sell the first quarter first. So we're going to change our payment from monthly to quarterly, first of all, and you can only join, you can't join in the middle of the quarter. Okay. And then the whole goal is in that first quarter, they have to, I have to show them and I have to make them understand why you have to do it again and again and again mm-hmm. just like you know when you go to the gym right or when you you know when when you whatever you're doing you you understand the importance of why you're not going to just stop right or when you do right. meditation 
you're not going to just meditate for three months and then stop. <laughs> like, right. they have to understand the benefits of it so that, and that's my job to sell it, like, in that first quarter to give them, deliver such an amazing experience that they're going to understand, oh, my gosh, yeah, I need to keep doing this. And right. I know that next quarter I'm going to get even better. And next quarter I'm going to get even better and better and better. Yeah, I, I think what I think what we're kind of working out here feels like it's more of a hybrid model. It's something between a course and a community. It's like it's kind of both because they're getting or like I said, course yeah. that leads to a community. Yes, I love so that. Courses where they come in and then you bring them to the community and next quarter you bring in new people. Yeah. And you add those people to the community again. And so your community will keep growing every quarter. Right. 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 But and then, but they're they're like there every month. Okay. But then this course is what's bringing them in there. Yeah. Oh. Because okay, it's hard son. for you, you just, to sell the value you just of got, a You just membership. solved my whole problem. This is this is the answer to my question. <laughs> Thank you. I feel like this is such a good plan. I'm I'm making yeah, and I, in my I, head right now. I went through the same thing because I I thought I could just sell the membership, but number one, it's hard to sell because people don't realize the value of why do i have to keep doing this forever <laughs> right yeah and then um and then like i i realized that it's much harder to sell membership first unless it's much easier to actually sell a one-time upfront fee and then like lock them into this three months where they have to go through it first <laughs> right and then once they get after the first 11 week they're gonna be like okay i get it now and then they're gonna join the membership Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a really excellent model. I love that. Yeah. And in the meantime, keep growing your audience, right? Don't right. stop. I mean, a lot of these things, if you have a great product and if you're delivering something, like there's a lot of word of mouth that happens. Mm-hmm. So it's going to, even if you're not marketing it, eventually it's going to start growing from word of mouth. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, what I want, what I would love for you to do is exactly the same thing I do. When I do Sunday service, I might take a little clip from there and post it on Instagram Reels or TikTok mm-hmm. or YouTube Shorts. Mm-hmm. So you should do the same exact thing. You should take yeah. little clips from there. Yeah, yeah I've been doing that. Um, what I'm noticing about that is I get a better response when I do something myself rather than a clip. I'll, I do post cl- the clips, but they never really seem to do as well as when I'm doing something unique. So I don't know how, what's some advice about that posting and growing from Well, it, it depends on what clip you use. Okay. Because like the video, I feel like those videos have to be so direct. Like in the first two, three seconds, you have to say, hey, are you struggling with this? Mm-hmm. Right. are you struggling with imposter syndrome or are you struggling like are you are you not able to uh, you know like one of the things that i so told sue in that hot seat was the best way to sell this type of stuff is how does that the struggle that we're talking about right the people who didn't knew this need this coaching or need this program what's something they're doing every day in life in life that's affecting that's being affected because they're not doing this. For example, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like for her, she, she might, she might, she said like, you know, like sometimes you might wake up in the feel morning and you feel like groggy, like you feel grouchy and you, you might just lash out at your kids for no reason. Cause just mm-hmm. cause you're like annoyed at them. They're like all oh, running around and you just get annoyed at them. Even though like, if you were in a good mood, 
yeah. you might have like you know handled it differently, right? Right. So talking about everyday situations like that, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that that is hurting them, right? Yeah. So talk about a moment like that, and then you know say, "Hey, are you doing this?" Like blah blah blah, and, and then, then have the clip. So yeah, I can show, speak show first, little... and then do a quick little clip, yeah. and then yeah, yeah, um, yes. The hook I'm, is important. I know, and I'm learning so much more about that now that we're talking about that in Night Owl Nation about the um, the the process that you went through with all of the different things um, you have to have in order to have a sales message. Yeah, yeah. Like or like something like for you, it might be something like. You know, do you ever like, do you ever get into a situation where you, you, you just want to say something, but you hold yourself back and then like the longer you wait, the longer you hold yourself back, the harder it becomes to say it. Or like you need to confront this person about like, you know, your boss, the more specific, the better, right? So mm-hmm. your boss will ask you to work late or your boss asks you to come in the weekend and you want to say no, but you hold yourself back because you don't want the confrontation. And the longer you wait, the harder it becomes for you to say no. And then finally, when you say it, the boss is going to be like, why didn't you say that before? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, are, are you in that situation? <laughs> no, I love that. And I'm going to start doing more of that for sure. Um, and, and the way that you talk about how when you tell one story, it kind of sparks another story. So now I have all of these different stories in my mind and written down as in my story bank yeah. for the first situations, just like that. Um, and I had one, I had one today, this, I had a woman on my podcast who grew up in Poland and she, it was communism when she, um, grew up when she was a little girl. And then it, and then they, they abolished the communism and she was able to come here to the U S and now she's, you know, basically she's my age, but in the conversation, I was afraid to ask her a question about communism. I was afraid to say, is there anything you see happening in our country today that oh, yeah. concerns you? And I was I was afraid to ask her that question on camera, but I did ask her the question afterwards and she answered it with a brilliant story. And so I told that story on my Instagram and it's getting a really good response. But it was my fear oh, perfect. of yeah. not asking that question. Like it taught the lesson that don't be afraid to ask hard questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions yeah. because... Somebody else might not like your question. Now but, you have another yeah, but, piece of content that you can use. I know. About not being afraid to. <laughs> Don't be afraid. That, so but exactly. Here's the thing. Like, we have content ideas every single day if we just keep our eyes open. And, like, I, yeah. That happens to me every day. Like, You know how many times I would tweet something? I would be like, oh, I have no idea what to tweet. <laughs> and then I'll tweet something. And then somebody will say, oh... That's somebody would reply to that. I'm like, oh yeah, that that reminds me. I can talk about this too. And then it's just there's a chain chain reaction that goes there. So every time you yeah. do a podcast or you do a coaching session or you teach and people ask you questions, and you you have this idea, oh like I should talk about this. Just write that down. Mm-hmm. All so you have like this never ending list of like content that you can talk about, right? Yes. And then all of those becomes content. It does. You know what I do actually. I, I write all those down and I know that like, okay, that's a, a, that, that might be related to what I'm going to talk about on this Sunday service. That might be like, so I actually start saying it in this thing. So now it's recorded on Zoom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now I, I know I can take that and use it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, that's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I really love the way you think. So, 
you think about things in a very unique way and that sparks people to think about things also in a unique way. So you instigate that in people. It's very, it's a unique skill you have. It's very good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I was hoping uh, that I would inspire people because that's actually the number one thing I want to do is um, I want people at Night Owl Nation, uh, the first group, and this is going to probably happen to you, Dudu. The first group is going to be inspired by the way you, your personality, your all of that. And then once they've been with you, like now new people coming in, now you have your own kind of environment, right? Mm -hmm. Where you they're doing things your way. Mm -hmm. And then now when new people come in, they're going to see that. Like, like through somebody else, even if you're not doing it directly, through talking to somebody else and be like, oh, wow, you know, and then so on. And that's how it spreads. Yeah, I think that's that's another thing for me that's been an interesting transition because I've gone from just being mitzi this person this just regular person to now i'm gonna be mitzi the brand i'm doing something new and so people who knew me before i started doing this podcast and creating this whole new business they know me as just regular old mitzi but the people who've come in since then because i've doubled my instagram following since then and all of those new people, oh, nice. I know it's still not, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, 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 it's still building. It's not huge, but it was doubled. So I'm super proud of that. But all those new people that came in, they don't know who the old Mitzi was. They only know the new Mitzi. And so mm -hmm. wrapping your mind around that, who you are in your identity and when you're leading a community of people or presenting yourself in a particular way, it's it's a really interesting thing to think about it. It plays with your mind. Yeah. I'm bit. starting to realize the same thing for me too. Like I, I'm starting to realize just from meeting new people in this community, there are people in this community that I have way more in common with that. I, I relate to way more than some of my oldest friends, like mm -hmm. some people that I knew for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I'm starting to think like, okay, maybe this was the real me. It's just that, the old me was trying to fit in with this crowd oh, yeah. that I, I was that was just near me, whether it was at, it was at work or you know friend yeah. group or whatever it is that I went to school with. But those oh, are yeah. like think about it, right? Like, it's, what are the odds that people that are? <laughs> it's mind blowing because I think the more you do that, the more you let those opportunities come into your life, and the more you you become as a result. And then yeah, more yeah, yeah. more people exactly who happens. align with you come in and then the more you you can be and then more people align yeah. and the more you and it's like this constant growth yeah. that happens it's very mind-blowing and so yeah. good and one other thing that you should think about is you know there at night owl in my agency there were certain people that were or there are people that are kind of drawn to me for a certain reason and and like when I when I and when I'm acting differently from that, they're not really drawn to me, right? Mm -hmm. So there's characteristics, personality traits, and characteristics about you that people are already drawn to. Like, and I'm sure your students will tell you, right? Like, certain students are drawn to you for this reason, mm -hmm. or your friends come to you for this reason. Mm -hmm. So try to figure out what that Mitzi special sauce is that people mm -hmm. are drawn to, yeah. and you wanna show like like. For example, Gigi, like everyone loves Gigi because she's so easy to talk to. And it's I think it's because 
it doesn't matter where we go to a party or whatever it is. So, somebody can talk about themselves. Like they love talking about themselves, right? Everybody loves talking about themselves. Yes. And Gigi will get so excited and she'll be like, oh, really? And like she would actually be genuinely <laughs> interested in what you have to say, right? And that's what people love about her. So they're like, you know, she, she attracts a lot of people. But me, on the other hand, like people love me because I'll just give to them. Like if somebody's, if somebody like gets dumped by his girlfriend, right? Gigi will be like, you know, don't worry. Like you, I, I'm going to introduce to someone better. Like you're way better than her, blah, 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 blah. But then I'll, I'll, I'll be the one saying, yeah, of course. It's because you're a loser because you keep doing this, this, this. And that's why she dumped you. You know what I mean? So when somebody wants to hear the truth, like that's what they're drawn to mm-hmm. for me, like mm-hmm. the the brutal, honest truth. <laughs> but then when somebody wants to just like, you know, let yeah. their ego out and things like that, they're like drawn to Gigi, right? Aww. So there's that, everyone has that thing that they're drawn to. Right. Like people are drawn to them. So, right. you know. Yeah. Like unleash that. (laughs) And then, right, just let that be. Let that happen. I know. I know. And that's that's hard for people to do. It's hard for me to do. Um, I'm in the process of transitioning. Like I'm changing. We're always changing all the time. But that's one of the reasons why I like you and your program so much is because you are no bullshit. You just say it like it is. But not in a mean way. You're you come from a place of love and caring for other people genuinely like that comes across. And also you just have this, you have a way of looking at at things that helps people to get right down to the truth, down to the nitty gritty. Like you can distill things in a a very unique way Mm -hmm. that people can understand. Yeah, I I have, I also, that's, that's one of my strengths, that analytical side. Like I, you know, when I was young, I used to break all the electronics around my, like my parents would not leave any electronics around me because like if there's a radio, I would like unscrew everything and try to figure out how it works. <laughs> but that's because it's like my natural like personality. So I try to do that with everything. Even I love that. You're probably the kid who didn't make, you, t- you got a box of Legos and you didn't make the thing on the front. You made something brand new, no. something more creative. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> You know, like one of the things that might be that for you is like when you when you say you asked that client about the communism thing. Yeah. Like that that might be something you're holding back mm-hmm. when maybe some people want you to ask that question. They do. Right. And she did. When you ask those questions. Yeah. Yeah. I know. But you know, I, I actually know why that why I was afraid because I I did I had a personal situation with some people who kind of were trying to make me play small or keep me in a certain Mm -hmm. space or didn't want me speaking out or didn't want me speaking my mind about anything that they didn't agree with. And that made me lose my confidence. Um, I like went through relationship transitions over Mm -hmm. being myself. And um, that's really hard, especially when you're an older person, you know, you're like a grown up and you're like, it's hard to believe that that people can behave that way. But Um, it, it's a blow to the self-esteem when something like that happens. And then it's hard for you to come back out and say, all right, I shrunk myself for a little bit, yeah. but the more you speak up and the more you show people who you are, the more people who like you will come into your life. Exactly. And I, I, I don't think it ever truly goes away because, mm. you know, like people tell me that all the time, like, like sons, you can be intimidating sometimes, right? 
So then, what? I, then what? The next time I do live, I do live. I I like suppress myself, and I'm like mm. instead of just like letting it rip. saying whatever's on my mind. Yeah. What I do is like, oh, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say. Yeah. That. And then people don't like that live as much. Exactly, right? because the feeling isn't there. It's not as authentic. Yeah. And this is you have to be authentic AF. <laughs> Here. <laughs> so um, it's it's it's. I, I'm just telling you that it's something that constantly. You yeah. constantly have to remind yourself. Yeah, because I and even those I people know. that are like, "Son, you're you you know you can be a little bit intimidating," but then usually they'll say afterwards, like, "But don't change because I love that you're like that," you know, like right. <laughs> something right. like that. So like, and it's for your your highest good anyway. In the end, because those people who aren't resonating with you anymore will fall away. And even if they were aligned with you at some time, and then later on they just don't feel like they're on the same page with you anymore yeah i might not be them for them right all the time right only like once in a while or like like i might be good in small doses or something like that for them like so it's okay i mean that's fine too yeah yeah or just for a certain season of life and then the next season it's not the same and that's okay it's hard to deal with that so for you every time you have those questions that should i ask this question Maybe a test for you is like, just go ahead and ask, see what it. happens. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do from now on. I'm not holding back. I'm not holding back anymore. Yeah. Um, that was the, that was I, the only I, time I did. For me, and I, I regretted it. Yeah. For me, I love it when people ask me those unconventional questions. Well, wait till you get I on my, expect. you're coming on my podcast <laughs> and I'm going to ask you all oh, yeah. kinds of uh, <laughs> unconventional questions. <laughs> it's going to be like wait. two hours long, right? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that's going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to be so fun. You're going to have so many stories. I can't wait to hear your stories. Do you have any other uh, last minute questions before we um, wrap up this episode? I feel very good about what all of the advice that you gave. I really feel good about the process that we talked about with the course, offering something and then transitioning that into a community membership. I love that. I'm really going to try to implement that. Um, I mean, I think the biggest thing is like practical, practically speaking, people have to be able to support themselves financially with this stuff. And like, what mm-hmm. kind of, I don't know, like that's still, why don't you do me. coaching? Um, why don't you like, so yeah, I could, I don't really like, I don't, I don't like calling myself a coach. I mean, I'm an educator, so I guess I have to mm-hmm. figure out what's my label well, how do I want to be seen? What's my identity in that capacity? Well, first question first. What What did you mean by that? Like, in terms of the financial, like, oh, well, meaning, it's, a, it's a practical thing. Feel... Like, I got, I have to be able to make money. Um, you know, I have to. There's, there's a little bit of urgency with people who are trying to get something going where they need to start. They're at a point where they really need to start making more, more money, and I feel like that's coming. Up so there's for me. two ways to go about that. Yeah. So. When what I see is, you know, first people start out as a nine to five job, right? And then when they first become a, a solopreneur, they usually provide, they sell time for money, meaning mm-hmm. you have this many hour coaching package for how much, or I'm a freelancer that gets paid how much per hour, right? Mm-hmm. So they're selling time for money. And then eventually they create a product because making money from products. You don't make money in the beginning. That's mm-hmm. a long-term game, right? It's yeah. like, you know, like Tesla didn't make money for the first 10 years, right? Like like product is like the hardest way to make money fast, but it scales 
in the long run, right? Because you don't have to sell money for uh, you're you're investing the hours up front, mm-hmm. but then later on you're making the profit, right? right. Without spending the hours, right? But f- usually people have to go through those steps, right? First yeah. you have to sell hours because that for because you need for, the short term money, like, like you need to get exactly. money now. Yeah. So for you, it's gonna be like basically either going getting a job. So that there's, so you have a <laughs> sustain, you have you have a set amount of cash that's, you know, a cash flow that's coming in, mm-hmm. so that you can fully invest in this product or something like that. Or secondly, you have to sell our, you know, money for our because if you already have like a huge following and audience, then if if you if you have the product, you can start selling it and scaling it right away. Mm-hmm. But number one, you don't have that audience, and number two, you don't even have a product yet. You still mm-hmm. have to build a product, right? Right. So that's going to be an investment time. But in the meantime, maybe you can sell coaching packages or you can, mm-hmm. you know, sell service, right? Whether it's writing service or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So that, that, so you separate that. It's like, okay, this is what I'm doing for money. Right. Right. And this is what I'm building for the future. Right. Yeah. But I always tell people like you, you have to have this. Otherwise you're going to make stupid decisions over here. Like you're right. gonna try to monetize too early here when the product's not ready or you know something like that. Right, right. So I think you you should have something where you know that I'm doing this. I know that I'm doing this for money. I know that I'm just maybe you're you know maybe you're doing ghostwriting or writing service yeah. for somebody, maybe somebody else, or maybe you're doing uh you know you are coaching like yeah you know like that's the thing right. A lot of people don't actually don't like being called a coach. Yeah. But just remember that you're not the you're not the label that you call yourself. Like right. I don't like I don't want to be called a web designer, but I call myself a web designer. <laughs> like for the longest time, right? Like right. I have a, you know, I I have a friend that you know the the guy who teaches uh, copywriting, right? Or he's a cop. He calls himself a copywriter, hmm. but like ninety nine percent of what he does has nothing to do with copywriting. It's like psychology. It's like mm-hmm. business con- consulting. Is but the thing is, the reason why he calls himself that is because that's what people are looking for and that's what people pay for. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't mind calling myself a storytelling coach. I don't mind. Like if somebody, like actually Gary V says this, right? Think, just think about this, right? Gary V owns a, 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 a company that does like, you know, $200 million, right? And it's a, it's a huge, it's, it's like a, it's a huge company and it's, he's an operator and he's an entrepreneur. He's like a business operator, right? But people call him motivational speaker, mm. right? So most of those people and, and, and his space where, where he has this huge thousand, you know, 2000 employee company, a big agency, they don't want to be called a motivational speaker, mm. but he doesn't care. It's like mm-hmm. if people know me as motivational speaker and that's what's going to do, do it for them, then I'm going to call myself a motivational speaker. Okay. It's just a label. Yeah. Okay. I think a lot of times when people say, I don't want to be called a coach, it's their ego speaking. Mm. It's their ego of like, I don't want people to judge me or something like that. I don't like labels. If you were really confident in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that I have to get over that. I just don't, I don't like labeling myself as really as anything. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to tell you the truth so i have to get i have to get over but that's that. why you should be you should feel comfortable about you know I could just be anything. Yourself, anything right that's, <laughs> yeah. that's really true because deep a, down inside yeah i used to always go to parties and 
whenever I introduce myself, I used to say I'm a web designer, right? Mm. But then the reason why I, I didn't feel self-conscious, like in the beginning, when I was actually a web designer, I was self-conscious about that. Like, mm. ah, I'm gonna, I feel so small. I feel mm. like uh, people are going to be like, my 19-year-old nephew does that from his garage, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so I felt so small. But w- once I actually became successful and we had a, you know, pretty right. successful agency and we've had big clients and things like that i actually had no problem calling myself a web designer because i know deep inside i'm not and i know that everybody's mm-hmm. gonna find out that i'm not eventually <laughs> <laughs> i love that that's a great way of thinking of it all right i'm gonna have to noodle on that one a bit um yeah well thank you so yeah i mean like that def- definitely maybe like and it, it can be a great way for you to actually um, coach what you're going to teach over here anyway, one-on-one. Right. right. Well, really I definitely want to do that. Yeah. I mean, I have that. And I have that. I'm I'm, on, I'm making a new website, and I have that on the website, the one-to-one coaching. So it is on there. I don't label it as coaching. I think I just say work one-on-one with my team or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's fine too, I think. You don't have to say, like, just get work, you know, one-on-one with me and then just explain what you right. do. Like, we're going to use storytelling and we're going to yeah. dig into your life. And this is like, yeah. the whole process of... And, and you have to talk about, like, how your past experience plays into it, right? Because right. you teach uh, writing, you know. Yes, which is I have, kind of like the same process. Yeah. And I also have a degree in psychology. I have my master's in psychology. So I have oh, yeah. both the education and the psychology piece together. So it actually fits perfectly. It's perfect. Right. You're marrying the two. Yep. I'm marrying the And two. you know, like when you say, oh, uh, it's like uh, I used to do this, but I see that my new calling is this. I mm-hmm. actually don't see the two as separate things mm. because, you know, when I, I once heard Jordan Peterson say like, you know, he has this thing called... Uh, past authoring program and the future authoring yeah. program where they ask you a bunch of questions and things like that. And I'm, a, I'm actually taking that, that no and difference. I forgot about it. <laughs> you, I, I'm oh, actually really? taking yeah. that pro- program and I, I'm kind of halfway through it and I kind of forgot about it. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, for me, I agree with that. I don't, yeah. I don't think there's a difference between thinking, writing and thinking. Like writing is thinking. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> you know is. what I mean? Because I used to you, say that I'm, in my I'm class. Journaling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Writing is thinking. Yeah. So that's why, like, what what you're doing is you're helping them figure out themselves and mapped out their life and figure out what they want and all of that. Right. All right. through the process of writing, which is thinking. Oh, <laughs> right? yeah. Yeah. Because people don't just sit, stare at the wall and think. <laughs> that's yeah. how you think, right? <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a writing component um, in there. It's, it's for me, too, it's, it's a little bit deeper than that because I feel like it's so important for people to understand what's in their life stories in order to ultimately prevent them from disaster, because that's kind of what happened to my mom and her story, which is why I'm like called to do this is because she had a really terrible mm-hmm. traumatic childhood and then, you know, ended up getting sick and dying of cancer. And I believe that that's related to her childhood trauma. So I think that, of course, not everybody who has trauma is going to get sick, but if you don't investigate what's in your story and you don't understand it and you don't transform and transmute it into something new, you could have big problems. It could, so I really want to help people to not suffer, you know, and to be able to live happy lives. It's like a lives. ticking time bomb. Right. It's like, like a ticking time bomb. Trauma. 
your story is a ticking time bomb <laughs> potentially yeah, <laughs> yeah um, no i can totally see that yeah because like every day you're suffering from this and every day you're suffering from this and but you're and you might be pushing you, you it know, down I, inside you until it gets like if you keep pushing something down inside of you it's like making a little tin foil ball like you put a little tin foil on it and then eventually it just becomes this like hard or like the inside of a golf yeah. ball hard little thing yeah. that will explode yeah so and like i i'm 100 percent like sold that stress actually you know can can like amplify your you know other other disease or other physical yes uh problems because i've seen it i've like i've i've seen so many documentaries about how like what stress does to your arteries and what's just oh, yeah. like you know, well, you th- and if, if you're you constantly so- living in that state, I know it's yeah. it's it really causes physical problems. Like think about if you get stressed about something and you get a headache, that's just a, a small yeah. example. Or like ulcer, right? It, <laughs> or know, an like- ulcer, and then so why yeah. is it that we don't focus on the root causes of other diseases? I mean, some people do, but uh, for me, that's very important, and that's really a big part of my mission going forward. Like the story element and working with people on the story will lead to that. And then that's kind of what I envision yeah. the membership community being is more focused on healing, prevention of disease, you know, eliminating really stressful things so they won't fester in terms of So you know, worse. so to give you a practical tip on that, what I would do yeah. is if I were you, I would create some sort of a coach, like a 12-week one-on-one coaching program. Yeah. Let's say it's like, however, $3,000, $6,000, whatever it is. And then you have to tell yourself, like, I can serve how many people? Like, right. I, I can have five students at a, five uh, clients at a time or 10 clients at a time. Mm-hmm. So you have to, like, limit yourself on how many clients I can do one-on-one work with. Right. Because right? obviously you don't have all the time in the world. So give work out those numbers. Like, how many yeah. clients can I take on? And how much do I need to charge in order for me to be profitable? And then, like, if it's twelve weeks, and I need I need new client every twelve weeks, so work out that number, and then figure out in a year how many clients I'm going to need. Right. 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 And then, the way you should sell it is on your on your uh, content, right? Yeah. Um, in your podcast, you should always say, like, by the way, if you want to work with me and you want to learn more about this, you know, you can mm-hmm. go here. So constantly have the call to action to yeah. your coaching program for now until you develop this other program and on your Instagram stories and even maybe TikTok or something like that. By the way, I TikTok is like a, such a great platform for your content. Yeah. I'm not on TikTok, and I've been contemplating whether I should go on. You think I should go on? Yeah, you should definitely go on. <laughs> I mean, until, until they get banned, you should <laughs> try to milk everything from it. Right. Like, but I mean like platform, the new platforms are always going to come on. So I'm like, why not? Like it's it's an extra set of eyeballs. You can just take the same content and post it there. Yeah. Why not? Right. Yeah. But um, what I would do is on Instagram stories or or even on your reels or TikTok or YouTube Shorts or whatever it is. You know, I would say what you just talked about. Hey, is there sometimes like something that you really want to say but you hold yourself back because you know, for example, like I didn't want to ask this question because I don't want to be judged. Blah blah. Like. Is there any time you do that and, and then say, you know, the reason why you might be doing that is because, you know, because I'm some past trauma, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And if you want to know, know more about this or, um, you know, let, just 
DM me and ask me. So your goal is not for them to go book your call right away. Mm-hmm. Your your number one goal is to get people to DM you. Okay. Or email you. Like if if you're sending a newsletter, reply to this email and you know let me, like let me know if you have any questions on this. Because what you want to do is you want to generate more questions from people. Mm-hmm. So uh, same thing in Stogers. Like hey, do you, do you have any questions? Like so once they start. DMing you the questions, then you answer them. And what's most likely what's going to happen is they're going to have more questions. And so then you the say, more well, information you give, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then discovery call. And then, so there has to be some sort of a funnel like that. And yeah, a process. It, it's a numbers game, right? Obviously. Right. I know. This is, also, this is what so I these, have to do. These practical tips are exactly what I need. Like, I, I know these things, but I'm not doing them yet. And I need to focus more on doing them. It's just, yeah. it's and just I like think the only weird... way you can do it is you have to se- separate the two. Like, mm-hmm. here's my passion project, which is building this program, blah, 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 blah. And then here's my, so tr- treat this almost as a nine to five job. Yeah. Like something you you have, like when I first started freelancing, what I did was I came home from work and I would literally like take a shower, get changed, sit on my desk and treat that like as another nine to five job. Yeah. And I really had to do that uh-huh. because I I kept pushing it up, pushing it up, pushing it mm-hmm. up, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because for some reason, when I'm in my nine to five job, I'm like, I can sell, I can, you know, I can... Yeah you know, do that. But it's, it's like harder for me when I do it for myself. Me too. Cause when you're at your agency, even though it's your agency, you're under the umbrella of the agency. And for some reason that makes it easier. Yeah. For, I understand that. I gotta get, I gotta get over. Yeah, yeah, myself. exactly. <laughs> I, you know what I used to do? I'm, I, somebody would ask me for a discount or something like, like that, or somebody say, can we get more of this? And I'd be like, no, I can't. Cause it's, it's a, it's our policy. Sorry. Right. I can't. Even though it's like my policy right. that I made. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So that's, that, I think that's the beauty of having somebody, like having a part, like, like now Gigi kind of handles all of that for me. Yeah. So I have to worry about it. So that's the beauty of like having a, so maybe you can bring on somebody who like, you can know, be the bad cop. There are people out there who are like, <laughs> right. generate leads for you or. Oh yeah. Closes for you or like, you know, takes care of all of that for you. Yes. Yeah, I think that's definitely one of my next steps as well because I'm doing it all myself now. Yeah. Okay. I hope uh, I've answered all of your questions. You have. (laughs) Um, I feel really good about everything we talked about and I think it's really great the process that you use of just sort of talking through things casually because even though we didn't stay on specific questions the whole time the answers come through the conversation about other things Mm -hmm. and that's the beauty of of what you're doing so thank you i feel very good about all of this and i can't wait to awesome make some notes and plans and figure this out and uh yeah and um anybody who wants to to work on their life story (laughs) can contact me Get in touch with Mitzi. Yeah, get in touch with me. It's really really an amazing process. It's not just about writing out the story. I have to find a way of making that clear how how transformational it is and and how it can prevent disease. Like, I mean, that's really the ultimate goal for me is like, I don't want anybody else to ever have 
either themselves or a loved one who doesn't know how to heal from their childhood trauma. And it gets to that point where they one thing you might want to consider also, like maybe start building now is relationships with like, uh, companies, businesses, corporations, things like that, where you can do this training for their employees. I know that's uh, absolutely. That's like another. Yep. I'm actually doing one. Um, I'm working with a small company in my town that does, um, they have several, um, rehab locations for women in crisis and I'm going to do some work. Yeah. Yeah, So I'm going to do some work with them and, and I'm going to work on transitioning that into some other bigger opportunities because they, they have some other affiliations. So I'm absolutely want to do that. Like, I think this would be amazing in the workplace, like for a corporate workshop, I think it would be a great, great workshop. If you can like, you know how I told you to create like a 12 week coaching package. Yep. If you can also create a corporate package like that. Yep. That's where the real money is because a lot of these organizations, they every year they have a budget to spend on training and things like that. Right. And if they don't spend it, they lose it. Right. So, you know, yeah, you might want to just like get in that network and just, I definitely do. And just, (laughs) I know I I'm working on that too. I'm only one woman. (laughs) 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 It's a lot. That's fine. This is how we all start. (laughs) Thank you so much. son. Oh my gosh. I, I just, Really, I'm really grateful for everything that you said. You have so many good nuggets and things I'm going to implement. And I appreciate your time Thank you, and everything you give. And you're, I can't wait to. Uh, you're going to. I'm going to get you on my hot seat. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, have a wonderful day. Thank Thanks, you so everyone. much. Thanks, everyone. Bye bye, everybody. Tea.